everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Brad Large. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Petra Manos. Hey, how are you going? Joel Schobert. Hey, everybody, this is Joel. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Uh, just came off of, uh, I'm, I'm going to promo some stuff here real quick. Um, so just came off of JavaScript remote conference, JS remote conference. If you're in the programming space, I'm putting on um, more remote conferences because people begged for them. So uh, iOS and React Native are in July. Rails and React are in August. Um, I think Angular is September and Vue is October. And I might have one or two more coming up for like DevOps or Agile or something. So. When I'm building a new product, G2i is the company that I call to help me find a developer who can build it. G2i is a hiring platform run by engineers that matches you with React, React Native, GraphQL, and mobile developers that you can trust. Whether you are a new company building your first product or an established company that wants additional engineering help, G2i has the talent you need to accomplish your goals. Go to g2i.co to learn more about what G2i has to offer. In my experience, G2i has linked me up with experienced engineers that can fit my budget. And the G2i staff are friendly and easy to work with. They know how product development works and can help you find the perfect engineer for your stack. Go to g2i.co to learn more about G2i. Anyway, uh, stay tuned there. Um, but yeah, this week we're talking about uh, uh, Google Display and Petra is the, our, our resident expert on that. So uh, do you want to kind of give us the 10,000 foot view on this and then we can drill in? I'm super excited to dive in on that. Yeah, so I'm actually going to talk about display just for a particular angle, I guess. And that is being used by freelancers for content marketing. So rather than, I don't want to talk at all about display for awareness marketing, which large businesses tend to do for their awareness and branding. It's not so much relevant for us freelance folk. But for content marketing, Google display is awesome. And uh, I'll, I'll just give you a, a little bit of a background on, on where I'm coming out with this. So, so I actually set up Google display campaigns or, and other Google campaigns for my clients, but my clients are primarily B2C businesses. So we're looking at e-commerce businesses, hotels and health clinics are my usual clients. Um, whereas for myself, I'm obviously small business doing a B2B type environment and I didn't know whether display was really going to work for me too well, but I've been blogging for about three years and I had been persisting with trying to share my content through organic channels. Primarily, I'd been hoping for social organic and, um, you know, search organic to pay off. And what I found is that it was a really, or an email, of course, but it, I found it was a really slow burn. It would just take quite a long time to get people to subscribe. And I wanted to find um, faster ways of building a subscriber list. So I figured, well, given that I'm setting up Google Display for my um, you know, B2C clients anyway, I've already got the expertise in that area. I would use that for my content marketing. And what I found actually blew me away because compared to what I was doing before, which was fairly time intensive in terms of setting up the you know, social media posts and this, that, and that, all, all the content distribution type activities 
they have to do. Uh, when I started doing all of that on display, everything happened faster and better just because the cost to reach a person through an automated mechanism uh, is so much lower compared to trying to do it all manually and the um, the quality of people that I was getting to my website increased because I started building up a readership base etc so we're going to go through that today but that's that's the kind of 50 foot view, I guess, in terms of where I came at. So I've recently written a blog post, which we can share in the links about my experiences to date with using display for content marketing. But so far I've been really happy with it. And it's now my major channel for, um, for marketing my content. Okay. So I do content too, <laughs> as we may know. Um, and I'm, I'm super curious cause I have paid, I have paid dollars to people to run it on social media and stuff. And I'm not a hundred percent sure that we get a ton of throughput from like Twitter and Instagram and stuff. I mean, I, I like putting it up there because, Hey, it's cool. It makes me feel good. But yeah, yeah. you know, beyond that, I, I don't know. So yep, I understand. What's and the so, difference? Yeah. Well for myself, so I've, I've put for myself a, just a $300 budget. Honestly, my budget is fairly small. So $300 a month. It's fairly small. But what I've found is it, it comes down. So there's a couple of different things. So when you're looking at a particular channel, you need to think about two different things. You need to think about what is the cost per acquisition. And you need to think about what is the quality of the traffic that's coming. I mean, ultimately it comes down to cost per acquisition really, because if you're marketing on a channel where you're getting people that are coming to your website and then immediately leaving, then each click that you're paying for isn't necessarily leading to a natural subscriber. So there are some things that Google have put into their algorithm that can let you get around this. And I think, um, we can go into this a little bit more in detail later, but one of the techniques that I'm using is I'm only paying for uh, conversions. So in Google ads, you can set a, um, a bidding model called pay for conversions and a conversion is whatever you set a conversion to be. And for anyone that hasn't heard this term before, a conversion is basically the business outcome that you're looking for on your website. It's something that you're measuring that you say to Google, I want more of this. Therefore, if this happens, we're going to count it as a business outcome that I'm happy with. So in my case, I wanted more subscribers. I wanted more readers of my blog. I wanted more clients and I wanted more sharers because sharing obviously improves SEO. So I measured those things. I called them conversions. And I only pay Google if someone does one of those things. So when I say reading, I'm only paying if someone reads my blog for more than a minute. Any other traffic that comes along and leaves my website, I'm not paying for. So as a result, Google wants to get paid. So they're bringing me readers. I'm also targeting really tightly. So depending on what you might've done in social, different social platforms have different methods of targeting but Google ads has some amazing targeting features where you can literally target people based on what they've been searching for. 
So you can narrow down to a really relevant audience. Now, I'm not sure which of those topics we want to talk about first, but how about, um, Chuck, how about you guide me in terms of what you would like to know first since you've had some experience with this and it didn't work with you too well on social? Well, mostly, I mean, yeah, if I can set the success criteria and it's either, yeah, they hit, yeah, I, I don't know if you can set it up for like, play the episode or subscribe to the podcast episode. Subscribe to the podcast episode would be them clicking a particular link, which I'm guessing is possible. Um, signing up for the email list is another one that, yeah, definitely on my list. Um, yes, all these things are possible. So I use a tool which um, was going to be in one of my picks this week called Google Tag Manager. And Google Tag Manager lets you track what people are doing on your website. So what I did prior to even starting display advertising was I set up these conversions on my website and this actually comes into remarketing as well because I want to remarket to the people that are actually interested in what I have to say, interested in my offers, et cetera, because those people will be the ones that will ultimately become clients. I'm not just doing it for a charity. I would like to have clients out of it at the end. So, um, so how I use Google Tag Manager for tracking these conversions is if there's something that's important to me, I will set up a custom tag in Tag Manager that tracks that particular thing and sends it to Google Analytics. So, for example, on my website, I've got share buttons. If someone shares my content using my share buttons, then that ends up being a custom goal in Google Analytics. It gets passed into Google Ads. And if someone shares my content, then that counts as a conversion and I pay for it. Um, when it comes to people reading, you, you, you don't have to be fancy with this. Look, I'm an analytics specialist. So for me, it, I already had this code, but I've actually got code that tracks whether people are moving their mouse or scrolling. And every 15 seconds, it sends a, a tag off to Google Analytics to say they're still interacting. And if they're still interacting after a minute, then I count them as being readers. But it's, you don't have to be as fancy as that. Um, in Google Analytics, you can easily set a duration goal. So if someone's there for more than a minute or they've looked at more than one pages, you can count that as a conversion if you're focusing on reading. Google Tag Manager does give you some things out of the box as well, like scrolling and uh, other tags that you can just add automatically. Wow. In terms of, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Hang on. I'll, I'll, I'm just I'm sitting here going, if, if I can track this stuff, I mean, that would be awesome because, yeah. yeah, then I can try out different things and essentially say, okay, um, if I'm going for shares, then maybe this is more relevant than this, you know, maybe LinkedIn yeah. or something else works better than you know, other places or ads or, you know, Facebook ads versus Google ads and just see where I want to get my results. And so I'm, I'm liking this. And uh, I mean, the, the moneymaker for me at least is uh, either getting people to subscribe to the podcast or subscribe to the email list, right? Yep. Yep. So when it comes to subscriptions, obviously there's, you, you've either got a form and you've got a button that says subscribe. Or, or whatever it is, get my free PDF. And uh, someone's filling in their email address and clicking the button. 
it's super easy to use Google Tag Manager to track the, the button clicks. It can be a little bit harder to use it to track whether the form was completed correctly or not. Um, but th there's, there's different ways that you can do. The, the, the simplest way is a thank you page and you just track that in Google Analytics whether people reach the thank you page. So there's, there's easy ways to do it and there's harder ways to do it depending on how much accuracy you want. But all of this data can all be sent to Google Ads and you can basically say to Google Ads, I'm gonna pay you based on you finding more people that do these things and, and that's the basis of our relationship. And so what I find with Google Ads with display is you can then take the um, picture that would normally be your social picture. You, th there can be more to it in terms of advertising. Obviously you wanna have some kind of hook but um, in, in terms of pure content marketing, usually the content itself is written to be appealing. You can take your social image, you can put it on display using a, um, a type of display ad called responsive display, which we can talk about as well if you like. And, uh, and people who are interested in, in that topic will, will click through to your website and they'll hopefully do these things. So, um, you can, you can measure the whole process from ad through to landing page through to subscription really easily using Google. So I think that's, that's really interesting because I read the article and some of the stuff that we're talking about kind of like I had some questions about it, mainly because uh, I look at this and I think about like Google ads. One of my concerns would be like cost, right? So this seems like a really good way to keep costs down and you know, make sure that you're paying for value instead of just paying for, you know, these kind of nebulous metrics, which I love. Um, and I'm assuming that by retargeting, you're also kind of making sure that the content that you're creating is speaking to your intended audience. But one of the things that I was thinking about was also that if I did have a lot of people clicking, but they weren't going through and converting, that maybe my message would not be very well aligned with the content that I was actually presenting. And, you know, I think that that's a real challenge for a lot of people is putting that message out there in a way that resonates with people, but is also a very accurate depiction of what the ex they should expect from your content, right? So I was kind of thinking through that. Do you have any, like, because I, I know that that's, it, it might even be a little bit more surface than we were going into, but I feel like for me, the first thing that I would want to kind of tune is, how do I make sure that what I'm presenting to people is they're going to meet their expectation, right? So that yeah, I do get conversions. Yeah, yeah, the congruence part. So, and this is really important because anytime you do any advertising, there's going to be a cost. The advertising platform wants to collect money. So you need to be congruent between any, anything that you put out there, whether you do it free or paid, you need to be congruent between what you put out there versus what the landing page or your website is saying versus who you actually are and what you're offering. And that part can feel really tricky to people because that's where you have these expert copywriters that are really great at writing things down. But sometimes you just need to be yourself and see what kinds of people do find that appealing and just put yourself out there in an authentic way. So what I've found when, when advertising in this way, because Google ads 
uh, for a display can be relatively inexpensive. I'm getting clicks of about 10 cents a click. So, um, and that's because of the way that I've got my targeting set up. But it can be so inexpensive that to reach the same people over and over is, isn't such a big deal anymore. So what happens is if you target the same people that have come to your website in the past, which is called re remarketing or retargeting, you can get people that are following you. So you're, you're literally building an audience of people that are following you and coming back repeatedly for different content and different offers, but using a paid medium rather than using email. There's nothing wrong with using an email address, but if you haven't got the email address yet, you need another way to stay in touch with those people. And when it comes to trust, which is what our kind of businesses rely on, there's a few different um, things that are needed before someone has trust. And that is uh, recency. So they've actually seen you recently. There's uh, frequency. It's how often they've seen you. And then there's the level of engagement. So if someone is seeing you all the time because you've got a channel that is efficiently putting things in front of them. And if they're having a good time when they get to your website, they're finding the information you're giving them is really relevant. Then um, all of those things come in alignment with each other. You build up trust and then people start to subscribe. Early in my career, I figured out which jobs were worth working at and which ones weren't, mostly by trial and error. I created a system that I used to find jobs and later contracts as a freelancer. If you're looking for a job or trying to figure out where you should go next, then check out my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. The book walks you through figuring out what you want, vetting companies that meet your criteria, meeting that company's employees, and getting them to recommend you for a job. Don't settle for whoever has listed their job on the job board. Go out and proactively find the job you'll love. Buy the book at devchat.tv slash job book. That's devchat.tv slash job book. One thing that I'm wondering about is with, you said you're using Google Tag Manager. Um, does that work if they have like a, an ad blocker or, I guess if they have an ad blocker, they're probably not going to see Google display ads either. So maybe it's Yeah, a, so the ad blocker is completely different. So an ad blocker will stop them from seeing Google display ads. So unfortunately, if they're using an ad blocker, they're not going to see your display. And this is why it's always good to have a multi-channel approach. So someone who spent a lot of time on Facebook but had an ad blocker, you might reach them through Facebook. But given the number of people out in the world and our limited budgets, there are plenty of people that don't have ad blockers that you can reach using Google right. Display, don't worry. When it comes to the Tag Manager, what Tag Manager does is it actually lets you track behavior of people. So it's actually a JavaScript platform and it lets you deploy code onto your website remotely using, um, so basically Tag Manager injects the JavaScript onto your website, either runtime or prior to someone behaving in a particular way, depending on how you've got your tag set up. And that JavaScript uh, collects it, so uh, Tag Manager makes it really easy. You don't have to know the API for Google. It used to be that analysts would have to write custom Google uh, Analytics code through their API, but now Tag Manager takes all of that complexity away. And you can just say, 
hey, I want to track this button click. Let's send it to Google Analytics. And it's all done through the UI. Makes it, makes it really simple. And so the, the tag manager is more for tracking conversions, not for actually getting the ad out. For getting the ad out, you use Google Ads. Yeah, that makes sense. So I want to back up just a little bit because we've talked about, hey, I found this to be a much more effective way of getting people to come consume my content. And I geeked out and I'm like, how do I do this? But uh, what I'm curious about is um, as we get into this and start talking about it, I mean, what, what were the results? You know, we've all read the blog post, but I'm curious if you can just kind of break it down for people. It's like, okay, so, you know, maybe you were doing social before, maybe you were doing some other things before to promote it. And then you started doing this and you saw a, a large uptick. So yeah. So what kind of costs are we looking at and what kind of results did you get? Yeah. Okay. Awesome question. <laughs> we certainly got into implementing things a little faster than I would have liked. So, all right. So the types of things that I was looking for was first of all, I wanted to have traffic to my website because my feeling was that you needed traffic first in order to get readers and I needed readers in order to get subscribers and I needed subscribers in order to get clients. So that was my thought process. Now I've Sounds been like blogging. a straightforward sales funnel to me. Yeah. Look, websites are all sales funnels. All websites are because you're not actually selling to people in person. You're, you're using the website as a, um, proxy salesperson. So, so the first thing I wanted to make sure of was that I had traffic that was going to become readers. So we talked about how I tracked whether they were reading and I had this engagement uh, type goal. What I found in terms of traffic, display brings heaps of traffic. So there's not really any issue with traffic, but then the issue that you want is, is, is it quality traffic? So for me, that was readers. What I found was that display brought significantly more readers to my website than any of my other channels that I've been doing. Um, I had previously been paying virtual assistants uh, around $100 to $200 a week to distribute my content through LinkedIn and Facebook and, and all these things. And yes, I had an automated tool. So once they had done that, it was able to be recycled but I was never really happy with the results on that because it always felt a little bit canned when it was on the automated social. It didn't feel like it had been done live. Whereas with Google display, people aren't expecting it to be done live. There isn't that social aspect. So, um, so what I did was I basically cut my expenses by $200 a week because I didn't have to pay for that distribution. Instead, a little bit of labor time got put into setting up the ads, but that needed to only be done once per ad, per content. And then I, I found a significant increase in traffic and readers, just off the charts increase. So, and then what I found was I wanted to know, well, okay, are these readers just one-time readers or are they return readers? And so I've been tracking that and I've been finding that my return visitors are almost entirely coming through my display channel. So they're just wow. not really um, coming through anything else. They're all coming through display. Uh, I guess when they, they, if I'm remarketing, they're just seeing that display there. And if it's a topic that interests them, they'll just click on that rather than hunting around for me some other way. 
So that is working amazingly well. And because I have it set up so that I only pay if they actually read or share or something like that, then I know that the people that are coming back through that remarketing audience, they are actual readers. So um, I had a question about that. So you said that you got pretty specific with your retargeting efforts. Like yeah. what kind of stuff, what does that entail? Like, what do you mean by specific in this? Is Are you talking about like specifically using specific language, going for a very specific target, or do you mean configuring something uh, in Google to, to yeah, target so those I've, people? I've configured things in Google to target those people. So what I've done in terms of my targeting is, for, well, first of all, as part of my analytics services, I have a report that I create for my Google Ads clients or for analytics clients. Um, but with the Google Ads ones, they get it thrown in. But it, it's called an audience engagement report. And what it does is I've got, I told you before about how I track whether people are engaged on the website based on whether they're moving your mouse and scrolling and doing all those things. Uh, I also track revenue for clients. So like I said before, most of my clients are transactional in nature, so it's not too complicated to track revenue. But for a business like ours, if someone subscribes, I just allocate some revenue to it. It doesn't have to be an exact number. You just allocate something that you think is reasonable. And on my audience engagement report, it literally breaks down the different categories of interests that everybody who comes to your website has. Google gives you thousands of them. I've got them all categorized based on how much revenue people are um, spending with the business and how much engagement they have on my website. So I can literally look at my report and say, hey, people that are in market for CRM systems are really good audiences for me. They're really engaged. And then I can go on to Google and I can say, I'm going to target everyone who's in market for a CRM system and I target those people cold, bring them to my website. And then I've got a whole lot of remarketing lists that say, all right, if someone spent more than a minute on the website or if they shared or if they've come back multiple times or, you know, I've got different configurations, I create a remarketing list for each of those things and I will um, adjust how much I'm willing to pay for someone to come back to my website if I feel that they're someone who's likely to subscribe. I got you. So you're paying to get them on the page initially, but then you're also doing retargeting and paying for them to come back if you think they're the right kind of person. Yeah. And if you have ever read any books on direct response marketing, which is basically direct response came from um, ads that led to an actual mail order in the past. So advertisers would either put an ad in the newspaper that said, uh, you know, post to us and we'll send you out a free catalogue or they would send something in the mail that said, hey, um, here's our offer through the mail and people would send responses. So that's a direct response marketing. That's really applicable to the internet. So one of the major premises of direct response marketing is that you don't focus on one single transaction. You focus on the long-term value of people. And long-term value always increases the more familiar they are with you, whether they've been a 
customer in the past or whether they've been a reader in the case of bloggers. So if you have people that are already coming to your website and consuming your content, those people are the most likely to go on to become subscribers or customers. So you want to get them back. And it, it basically comes down to what is the most cost effective way to keep presenting relevant material for those people that I know are already interested and keep my offers in front of them. And that's what remarketing does. So remarketing basically will only target those people that you've already identified as relevant for coming to your website in the past. You can also remarket things like YouTube too. So if someone has watched your videos on YouTube, you can remarket them through display. So as I think through that, one of the questions that I just thought of was, so through this process, I'm, I'm identifying audiences that I want to retarget and go through. But my, I'm curious about, uh, because I always want to be providing more value to the people coming back, right? What kind of information does it give me about, um, you know, my audience so that I can determine what would be the highest value to them to, to post more about or to give them, like, does it give you anything like that that you can use to kind of, um, you know, steer or navigate your, your content marketing efforts? Yeah, so that's all done in Google Analytics. So Google Ads, Google Analytics, Google Tag Manager, Google Data Studio, Google Optimize. There's a whole bunch of different Google tools and they all play, you know, pretty nice with each other given that they're all Google. So in Google Analytics, you can most definitely see which content is getting the most views, has the least bounce rate, is getting the most uh, time reading, etc. And you can create more content like your most popular content. So that just comes down to having a look at your analytics reports. Also, if you have uh, things on your website that says these are the most popular posts and a lot of people have most popular posts down the, the sidebar, you can see from that pretty quickly what people are interested in. So you create more, more content based on what is popular. Um, in terms of the actual Google ads, so what I've been talking about here is creating display ads for the content marketing. If you put up a whole um, bunch of ads uh, for content pieces on Google ads, you can see which ones have the best click-through rate from a display ad. So you can pretty quickly see which ones are getting clicks and also the all those goals and things I was talking about in Google Analytics, you can import them into Google Ads so you can see which ones are getting the most conversions as well. How did you get started with um, Google Display? I mean, I've, I've heard of Google Ads and everybody's familiar with those and different things. Were you kind of early in on it or did someone tell you about it or, or how are you keeping up with all this stuff that keeps coming out from Google? Okay, well, given that I'm doing it for my clients anyway, a lot of that R&D just comes about day-to-day -day as part of my business. For someone who had never ventured into Google, it could be quite overwhelming at first. I, I really understand that. So I actually started out doing website analytics using Google Tag Manager and uh, Google Analytics. And what I found was that I had some ideas based on my analytics reports that I knew could benefit clients so I started offering a uh, actual marketing agency service rather than just the advisory and analytics tracking. And so for me, 
doing my own display marketing as an extension of what my agency is already doing. However, for someone who's just starting out, they would most likely need to read articles online or you know, talk to a consultant or do various things that are needed to get that strategy worked out. And that's why the strategy piece is always the trickiest thing because you don't know what you don't know until you've discovered what things you can do. A lot of people don't know that you can pay, per, pay for results on Google, for example. They assume that you have to pay per click. Yeah, it's interesting though because uh, I so I've been doing this uh, one funnel away event that Russell Brunson and ClickFunnels is putting on. And yeah, so day one is like you, you have to believe it'll work and then day two is and you're going to screw it up, right? Yeah, I love that you know. course actually. That's, that's my favorite course I've ever done. And I haven't done too many actually, but I, I love that one. Yeah. So the thing, the thing that I'm hearing from you is, is this can work, but you may have to try some things and tweak some things in order to see the results you want. Oh, look, whenever it comes to any kind of marketing, you need to tweak. Yeah. We, we weren't born natural marketers and we are not inside other people's heads. And so sometimes what we think is going to be our best stuff just falls flat. And it's just the way it is in marketing. You can't expect to hit a home run necessarily on your first try. So by, by setting up multiple ads and not just one, and, and this is where content marketing is also a good way of doing marketing because there are so many different things that you can talk about with regards to your topic. And you don't know which one thing is the thing that the perfect customer is looking for right now. So by having a whole lot of different content, then you can capture people where they're at, depending on what you're talking about. So it might be that an article on one thing is really super relevant for one person. And then an article on something else is really relevant for someone else. And by putting all of that content out there, then the right people are finding you based on the right things. So, um, but the, the idea of the sales funnel, having an actual sales funnel in place when it comes to collecting traffic is really important. I don't know if all of the audience here actually know what a sales funnel is. So I'll, I'll just explain that. Basically a sales funnel is when you are collecting a, a larger number of people that are coming to your website and you're trying to um, send them to an actual business outcome. And to do that, they're going through a, a process on your website. So you might set up a sales funnel that involves them coming on your website and then they need to fill out a form. They give your email address, they end up on your email subscription list, and then they get some information about some offers. That would, become, that would be a sales funnel because you're basically taking a large number of traffic people putting them into a form and out pop some subscribers at the end. If you think about a, a funnel shape, you've got a large circle at the top for bringing all the traffic in and a small one at the bottom, which is the, the ultimate subscribers. You're never going to get 100% of all your traffic subscribed. It's just not going to happen. So the, the purpose of the sales funnel is to convince people to actually take the business outcome that you want. Makes sense. Now, one other thing that I'm wondering about is I use Optin Monster on my website. Yeah. So can some of those click-throughs be tagged with Google Tag Manager? If yeah. those yeah, buttons are managed through something else? No, no. It's, yeah, that's a really good question. So if, if the tool is on your website, then you can 
you can track it as long as it's actually deployed on your website. So, okay. and not through an iframe. If it's through an iframe, you can track it depending on what the third party tool allows. So I'll, I'll just explain that in more detail. So most of these widgets and, and things are set up as plugins in a WordPress install, for example, or there might be a JavaScript tag that is added to your website and then that JavaScript unpacks and turns into the, the pop-up software that you're using. If it's actually on your website, then it just becomes part of your website and so any clicks on those things can be tracked as per clicks on anything else. If you are using a third party tool that requires you to use an iframe, the iframe means that it's not technically on your website anymore. It's actually hosted on the iframe provider's website, not on your website, but it just makes it look like your website because the iframe seamlessly puts the content onto your website. So if you have if you're using an iframe and the content is actually hosted elsewhere, it depends on whether you can add Google Tag Manager onto that site. So we were talking before about your One Funnel Away course that's from ClickFunnels. ClickFunnels do have an area where you can put your Google Tag Manager code. And then even if you've got ClickFunnels iframed in, you can still track everything that you need. But yeah, yeah it, do, it does depend on the tool. Some tools don't have it yet. Over the last many years, we've had a ton of terrific people on JavaScript Jabber. And one thing that I realized over the last few years was that we were missing out on some of the real story there. So we would talk about the topic that they were experts in and help you keep up on what's going on in the JavaScript community. But I felt like we had these terrific people on there and we didn't really talk about who they were. So I pulled together a show called My JavaScript Story. And what we do is we interview the people that we've had on JavaScript Jabber or people just from the community. Maybe we'll have you on sometime. And we talk about how they got into programming, how they got into JavaScript, what they're working on, what they're well known for, and how they've developed their career. And some of the people are extremely well known and come from really interesting backgrounds. So if you're curious about how your JavaScript heroes got into JavaScript, then go check out my JavaScript story. You can find it at myjsstory.com. Makes sense right, to so, me. Yeah. yeah, so we were talking about results and I talked about readers. Um, when it comes to subscribers, I'm finding now that at first it was neck and neck, but I'd only been doing um, display for a short period of time. But recently my subscribers have been picking up substantially from my display channel, more so than anything else. Previously, a lot of my subscribers had come from people that had already known me. So they were coming directly to my website to sign up for something. But in this case, it's primarily cold traffic and it's um, display is working really great for that. And in terms of clients, so I guess the million dollar question is, is it turning into clients or not? What I found is since starting the display marketing, especially the remarketing, the number of referrals I've been getting really increased dramatically. And I think it's because my referral partners are also seeing my ads as well as prospective clients because they already know me their, their trust level is already there. So what I found is I got a, a significant increase in referrals since doing the display marketing. And I've had people that are my referral partners say, hey, you're putting out so much content all of a sudden, Petra. And really the, the amount of content was probably pretty similar. It's just that uh, I'm getting so many more impressions with display. 
with display, you only pay if, um, if, if someone either clicks or does the conversion that you've set up. You don't pay if someone sees the ad. So if they know you and they don't have any to click on it, they're still seeing your ad and you're not being charged for that. So my referral partners got really busy and referred a lot of business to me this year. And I'm fairly confident that it's related to the display marketing, although I can't prove that exactly. As long as I've got more money coming into my pocket. <laughs> but yeah. Ultimately, that's, that's the final end of it. If you've got more money coming into your pocket, then what you're doing is, is working. Yeah, one um, thing that I'm looking at too with this is, I mean, most of our revenue is podcast sponsorships, right? And so I guess I could do display marketing and lead them to content around how to sponsor podcasts, but that's not really the focus of the website, right? And so I don't know that I really want to put up blog posts or things like that on devchat.tv. I might want to do it on, you know, set up another domain, right? And then just do videos and other content there and see if I can drive them over there. But then I'm going to wind up driving a lot of people that are doing marketing for customers or for companies that are not my target. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out how to reconcile that. So one thing that I recommend doing is setting up your website to have URLs that have a category in them. So if you're using WordPress, this is really easy because WordPress has categories built in. You can Mm -hmm. set up your URL to, to have uh, basically your domain, then the category and then the title. And if you do that, you can set up remarketing lists based on what category people are reading. So if you're setting up um, particular information that is intended for podcast sponsors, then you can remarket just the people that read information from that category and not try and bring everybody back into that particular funnel. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, At the same time, though, I mean, it's the same issue, right? I may be getting people who want to sponsor podcasts but they don't want to reach my audience. They want to reach a different podcast audience. Yeah, that's true. So, so if you are measuring your business outcomes, you will find that some people will be really interested in the, the topics that you're talking about. So, okay. So we're talking here about, all right, how do I get more, more clients for a sponsorship? There's going to be a certain number of people that aren't, um, wanting to sponsor your show, but then there's going to be a certain number of people that are. And the people yeah. that are interested in sponsoring your show, you'll most likely find that they would be more ready to um, engage on a page that refers to the benefits of uh, sponsoring this show. Mm-hmm. And so you can remarket those people. It, it, it requires a little bit of thinking in advance of what outcome you're actually wanting and then how can we measure that outcome and then how can we do the advertising? There's not a lot of point in doing the advertising before the outcome that you want has been worked out. Yeah, that makes sense. And it also makes sense, yeah, focusing on why would you want to sponsor this show as opposed to why would you want to sponsor podcasts in general? Yeah. Yeah. So if you had a particular page that was about why would you want to sponsor this show, then if you had a sales funnel that had been attracting people in general about why would you want to sponsor um, a podcast, you could then remarket to the people that were really engaged on that with a 
content article about why would you want to sponsor our show? And then those people that you'd already attracted that were interested in podcast sponsorship can now see your offer without having to send that out into the world to attract clicks from a whole lot of people that aren't really relevant target Mm -hmm. audience. Sometimes you need to think in terms of it's not an instant, it's not an instant fix. Sometimes you need to have a, like a gated approach where, okay, first we're going to get in a large number of people. Then we're going to whittle those away to the quality ones. And then we're going to chase after the quality ones. Yep. Makes sense. Um, there was, there was a, another result that I found through display that is really important actually. And that is sharing. Uh, anyone who is blogging or creating content online would be, would, a lot of people are frustrated by the fact that their share counts are low and it's, it's a nature of the beast. Now there are so many people on the internet, people have almost come to expect that there's going to be a lot of content out there. So people aren't necessarily sharing. And that means that fewer people find out about our content through, you know, social and you know organic search because there's not as many people sharing whereas if you uh, have a really good display audience that are full of people that are interested in your offers they will be much more likely to share so i found a substantial increase in sharing since using display for my content marketing substantial and um, one thing that i did to try to increase sharing was I actually took off a certain portion of my budget. At the moment, it's just I'm taking off 10%. So I'm taking off $30 a month and I'm putting that $30 into actually targeting people from overseas in lower um, socioeconomic countries like India, for example, and Pakistan. And the purpose of doing that is not so much to have them become uh, subscribers, but they will readily share the information that you put in front of them. So, uh, and also they are incredibly cheap to bring in through display. So you can quite easily bring them in for one cent per, per person and a large proportion of those are going to be sharing. So now all of a sudden you've got large share numbers on your content. And then when you're actually putting that content in front of people that are in your target market, you've got the social proof because you've got large share numbers. You're, it also starts to then boost your organic uh, search rankings, for example, because there's more links out on the internet going to your content. This is cool. Now I want to dive into the nitty gritty of how to actually do it. But I think, I think there's a learning curve to, you know, learning Google display and tag manager and all the, all the, all the things. In terms of that implementation piece, there is something that I do want to share and that is the type of ad. So I mentioned it very briefly. I said to use a responsive display ad, but people might not know what a responsive display ad is. I mean, it's just a term. So, so when it comes to display ads, there's a couple of different ways to create ads in Google. The responsive display ad is the one that Google uses to resize the images that you provide it, and it will automatically combine an image with some text and a logo and it will put it everywhere on the internet. Um, So actually on that, so um, just in case the listener doesn't know about it yet, the the way that it works with display is um, if you have AdSense on your website, 
and you're paying for blocks of ads on your website, then Google ads will, will show up in there. So typically people seeing the display ads will be reading the news or reading blogs or they'll be on, on an app, for example, an app that has ads in them. Um, and so, yeah, so the responsive display ads, they actually resize themselves based on the size of the ad slot, whereas fixed banner ads, those are where you would actually hire a graphic designer to um, create a banner ad that was only going to fit a certain size slot. So um, Google has 20 different sizes, and so you'd need a graphic designer to create banners for 20 different sizes or, or just a subset of them. That's a lot more expensive for a small business because you obviously need to have someone create so many different sizes that can be quite cumbersome. There are tools that can do that, but um, if you use the responsive one, you just need to supply one horizontal image, one square image, a logo and some text, and then Google just resizes it for you everywhere. Google is also, um, I guess they're experimenting with their own technology. So they are giving a substantially cheaper click price if you're using their responsive display compared to a display ad that you've designed yourself. So I am strongly recommending using responsive display. It's easier. Google are rewarding if you're using it and it just resizes everywhere. You don't, you just don't need to worry about all of that tech side of things and, and having a graphic designer. You do still need to have a hero image though. You don't want to just stick any old stock photography out and hope that it lands. You do want to have an image that suits the landing page that you're sending people to. A lot of people create social images anyway. Nice. I feel like I've kind of monopolized this. Do you guys have any other questions, Joel, Brad, or anything that we should bring up that we haven't yet, Petra? Yeah, there's, it's one of those topics. I still feel like we've, we've only really scratched the surface yeah. in a way, but I know I've also talked about a whole lot of technical things too. Um, I'm hoping that that's been okay and that um, everyone listening out there is finding it interesting and not just over there, you know, just overwhelming because I know that can happen too. Well, for um, me, that part's been great, Petra, because um, looking at your blog post, you've got some wonderful graphs on there about the different channels and how people came in. And when I first looked at that, before we started this conversation, I was imagining an insanely complex system of little mouse traps on the back end to find out who was where and coming from all these places. And then when you started talking about using the tag manager, it actually doesn't sound like it's that bad to set up all the things to track how people came in, are they coming back, are they really engaging? It doesn't sound like that's as big of a deal technically as I would have assumed by looking at your graphs. No, it isn't actually. For, for anyone with a technical background, they would actually find Tag Manager to be not too bad. Um, it can be complex for marketers that have come more from the branding side of things, just because they're not naturally used to thinking in terms of procedures. So Tag Manager is very procedure-based. You say, this is what I want to capture. You work out what's the best way to capture that, whether it's a mouse click or you know, some other interaction. You set up what's called a trigger, and the trigger is if this happens, then do this other thing. So the trigger is the bit that measures whether the thing happened or not. And then you send the data to Google Analytics or Google um, Ads using what's called a tag 
on Tag Manager, and that's just the um, messenger. So you've, you've decided I'm going to track someone who is clicking on this button. That's the, the trigger. And then the tag is, okay, I'm now going to let Google Analytics know about it or I'll let Google Ads know about it. So um, it's a bit of a two-step process. But anyone that has a technical background will probably not find it too difficult. Um, some marketers do rely on their web developers, though, or an analyst like me to set them up. There, there are courses out there as well. Um, Analytics Mania do some great courses on Google Tag Manager. Cool. Well, is this a good stopping point? Should we kind of circle back on this maybe in a month or two? I think, I think there's more here to chew on, but. Yeah, look, I think we've covered a lot of stuff. So if, if no one has any further questions, then we can, we can definitely go into peaks. Sounds good. Yeah. Let's, well, I guess I cut Brad and Joel off if they had other questions. All right. Well, I'll take it that they don't have any other questions and we'll just head into the picks. Um, but yeah, this is, this is terrific. And I definitely want to learn more, probably something that I'll be looking at here within the next few months. So anyway, um, Actually, yeah, sorry, if there's, if there's one more thing to say at the moment with, with the whole coronavirus issue, everyone's obviously flocking online. So some forms of advertising have become less expensive at the moment. And this right. was one reason why I wanted to bring up this particular topic sooner rather than later because the prices for display will probably go up over time as more and more businesses realise how effective it can be and then there'll be more competitive pressure. So at the moment, though, it's fairly inexpensive. Definitely the time to get started is sooner rather than later. Right. Sounds good. All right. Well, let's do uh, some picks. Um, Joel, do you want to start us off with picks? Sure, I can start us off with picks. Uh, I've been doing a uh, project for a lawyer referral service, a big website. We've been redoing their website. And my pick for this is Vue.js. So we've been doing an MVC, which uses Razor for the template language. And we've been using Vue. So in the Razor template, you just have a single component. You pass in your data from Razor and then kick over to Vue. And you can use all this uh, responsive modern technology in the page. And those two have really coexisted nicely together. So that's been, that's been really a pleasure to work with. And my second pick is the Twin City Sailing Club. This has been such a great way in the summer up here in Minnesota to get outdoors. And probably in your town, if it's of any size, you probably have some sort of sailing club like it. So we've been getting out and getting three or four of us together. And right now, racing's not allowed just because of the social distancing but you play follow the leader. And so when you trim your boat and try to get some boat speed, and then you make an adjustment, if you have another boat near you, you can actually see if what you're doing is effective or not. So we've been having great fun going out about once a week and playing follow the leader out on, out on the, uh, out, out with the sailboats. So that's my uh, second pick. That sounds like fun. Uh, Brad, do you have some picks for us? Sure thing. It's really funny that you mentioned Vue, Joe, because I was just telling somebody today, they were talking about some of the different frameworks and I was like, I really enjoyed working with it, especially on the .NET framework. Um, it was, it worked out beautifully, but it's, it's interesting because it just seemed like it came up just today. So that's cool. Um, yeah, so for my picks, I've got a couple of uh, cool things. I actually, one of them is socks. Uh, you know, like your grandma gets you for Christmas. Um, 
these socks are amazing. I never thought that I would recommend socks or be such a huge fan of a pair of socks, but darn tough is a company that makes socks on a merino wool for hiking. And I got a pair of running uh, socks as well as hiking. And I cannot recommend them enough. They are fantastic. They make my feet feel amazing. They keep them dry on hikes. Uh, they have been extremely comfortable. Uh, and they come with a lifetime warranty as well. Uh, it's like you just send them in if they ever even wear out. It's, it's insane, but they feel incredibly durable and comfortable. Uh, Darn Tough is amazing. Uh, so I highly recommend. Anyway, uh, and then the other thing is I've been getting into playing guitar. My daughter wanted to get into an instrument and she liked my guitar. So she was like, I want to learn how to play guitar. So I've, I've been trying to brush up my own skills and also find something that she could use to, to kind of start playing. And I found this website called justinguitar.com. And this guy is a Brit. He has a fantastic website with tons and tons of content on it. It is just really well laid out. And, uh, you know, he does everything by donation. And it is just a lot of fun to go through. So if you play guitar, it's a, a great uh, resource for you uh, as far as that goes. So I've just been really happy with uh, both those things this week. Nice. How about you, Petra? Yeah, so before we started the show today, we were chatting a little bit about social media images and easy ways to make those. And I shared that I've been using a tool called remove.bg. And the way that this one works is you can supply it with any photo and it will remove the background using AI technology. It's really great for if you're using um, YouTube as your marketing channel because if you're doing any kind of talking head videos, you can create a, um, a social image directly from a, a still shot of the video and, um, and it will just remove all of the background. It's like having a green screen behind you, but it's been done with AI. It works really well. Um, I've got curly hair, so I've always found that hiring a graphic designer to try and cut me out was always a, a pain, but remove.bg just does it instantly. Nice. Um, I mentioned the uh, One Funnel Away. Um, it, it's awesome. I'll put my referral link in here. Um, but it, it was, I mean, I'm two days in. So um, anyway, I've really been enjoying it. And it's, it's really kind of got me fired up to figure some of this stuff out. So I'm going to work through that. I've also been reading just all of uh, Russell Brunson's books. So um, he's got traffic secrets.com secrets and expert secrets and I'll put links to all of them in the show notes as well. So, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all of my picks. Hey, also, yeah, if, cool. um, yeah, if, if you want to know a bit more about, cause we've referred to some graphs on my blog post in terms of, um, how the display advertising has been working. If you want to see those graphs, I've just popped the blog post into, the picks list as well. Um, just follow that link and have a look at the graphs. I'm going to update the images over time as I've got more data. But for now, you'll see exactly what I mean in terms of the display working so much better than everything else. All right. Well, thanks. This was, this was great, Petra. No worries. Happy to share. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. 
Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.